1990 Auburn electrical engineering grad, chairman and CEO of First Independence Bank of Detroit, chair of I don't know how many councils, including the Auburn University Engineering Alumni Council, and a published author, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, Kenneth Kelly. I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It it looks something like this. You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. Greetings, loyal listeners, fans, engineering enthusiasts of all ages. Thank you for tuning in once again to the best podcast at all of higher education. That would be the award-winning Hashtag Getting. I think we've won some awards since last time. Uh, don't Austin, we usually? It's, it's, it's hard to it's keep It's another up. week. You know? <laughs> Brought to you by the uh, Samuel Ginn College of Engineering Office of Communications and Marketing. I am a communications specialist for that office. Joined, as always, over here. By uh, <laughs> I love you started at the close no, and, and you went, went to the hair. The hair I looked down. I I'm like, it. what can I say about you this time? Yeah, uh, Austin Phillips over here, the director of the uh, aforementioned office, looking good yeah, in no, a, no baby blue. Yeah, right, yeah, might looking be a good. The, might need to get to Stephen at Dimensions yeah. here pretty soon. I tried to get an appointment, but Marcus has got him booked up on Friday. Yeah, Marcus does. He's booking a lot of things these days. Feeling nice and loose after lunch. Uh, Marcus Clutz, not thankful. <laughs> Marcus Clutz over here on the key. Got himself a nice beverage, chewed straw. Today we are joined by a very special guest, very easily special. one of the most special guests. It's taken us a while to get him on. It's taken him here. a while. Yeah, he'd heard some horrible things, but, uh, <laughs> but he talked to Mari Gaston afterward. Mari said, "Don't do dude, it. Do not go on that show." <laughs> Kenneth Kelly, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, we have a, a 1990 electrical engineering grad. That's correct. We got a, he's a chairman of, I don't know how many councils, I mean, chair on, on how many councils and things, but the one that we care most about, the best one, obviously. The big one. The uh, Engineering Alumni Council and uh, chairman and CEO of First Independence Bank of Detroit. My goodness, that's a lot. Kenneth, can't thank you enough for joining us today. Seriously, taking the time from what has to be a busy schedule. Yeah. And I'm just not even, I'm, I'm barely scraping the surface. Barely, here. barely. So uh, what brings you to town? Well, we decided this year that we would try to come down and spend some quality ta- time in Auburn. Uh, this last weekend, we had a very special event in doing a dedication to Dr. Harold Franklin, who was the first African-American to attend Auburn University. And I had the pleasure and honor, really, to emcee that program. And so we are spending a few days here in the great city of Auburn. War Eagle. Yeah, rock and roll. Well, I want to know the Kenneth Kelly story. You know, tell what tell us your Auburn story. Where where are you from originally, and what brought you to Auburn, and then what brought you to Auburn Engineering? Well, I'll tell you, it's it's pretty simple story. I grew up in Eufaula, Alabama, uh, Barber County, which is about sixty five miles from here on foot. <laughs> and I would tell you, it's ironic because as I live so close, Auburn was so far away. Uh, my first time coming to campus was in my senior year. In, in high school, and I was fairly decent in math and was looking at possibly pursuing engineering, and Auburn had the best in the state, well. and so that was a no-brainer, and we ended up here, and ironically, um, coming from a small town, sometimes you can have a small town complex, and I knew kids from Mobile, Montgomery, Huntsville, Birmingham, who were all, in my view, smart, 
who struggled with calculus. So my story, I actually took Algebra 1 in ninth grade. I took Algebra 2 and Geometry in the 10th grade and G- and Trigonometry in the 11th grade. So I didn't have a math in the 12th grade. But the point is, uh, I was a little intimidated being here on campus by kids who I thought were smarter and who struggled in calculus. And then I had the great fortune of working at a paper mill where my dad worked for 30 plus years. And that summer, it was pretty obvious to me that God didn't cut my body out to do that work every mm, day. Mm. And I came back and decided to pursue electrical engineering, and I made straight A's in the calculus and differential equations. So that was a part of my story. Awesome. Well, from from here, you went to Southern Company? Yes. Well, I actually started the co-op with Southern Company at Wilsonville in E.C. Gaston Steam Plant, as we called it back at that point in time, back in 1987. And uh, just had a great time there learning a lot. It allowed me to make some money and help pay for my college education to finish up and ended up after I finished long term working down in Mobile in a mobile division for Alabama Power Company and had a great career with Alabama Power working from, you know, really every aspect of the company, engineering, marketing, corporate finance and planning, human resources, supply chain management. Uh, And then I ended in Southern Power, where I was doing mergers and acquisitions on solar farms. And we, in fact, we did the very first solar farm in California. It was a $500 million project back in 2013. So had a great career with Southern Company. Man, let the light shine. Yeah, seriously. Well, you retired from Southern Company after nearly 30 years. Yes. And and here we're in another chapter where now you're uh, CEO of First Independence Bank, uh, one of the largest um, African-American-owned banks in the entire country yes. uh, in Detroit. So uh, h- how did all that come about? Well, it's funny. I was having a conversation with Dean, and he asked that question, and I made a very simple statement. If you understand V equals IR, you can understand that assets minus liability equals equity. And so it's very similar. It's a very regulated industry, very much like a utility industry. And most people don't know this. A utility industry actually has more regulations than the banking sector. And so from there is about understanding people and hopefully getting the right team pulled together who can really do the blocking and tackling every day. That's not the part that I do. Uh, but we've got some very established bankers who understand banking and who can really do the blocking and tackling. And my view has been more of ensuring that we're trying to set the right vision. Uh, we're looking at moving and have gotten approval to open a branch in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is where George Floyd was killed. We'll be a few miles north, um, a few blocks north, a few blocks east of where he was murdered. And so from my perspective, it's very similar in that regard. So, you know, I know I can really make the direct line uh, from that engineering experience to the to the power sector. But how has your engineering background and your engineering education, how did that parlay and help you on the banking side? of I, it? I would tell you an engineering uh, background is really about a way of thinking and using logic. And, and most of the things have been proven in engineering. That's why we call the theorems and hypotheses. All of those are very proven. And so if you can ascertain how to think through things, you can do a lot of things. I'll just say it very simply. In fact, I would encourage any kid, if you've got a fairly basic understanding where you can be uh, reasonably proficient with math and science, engineering is a field you should consider. And when you look at our council now, the diversity in our council is just phenomenal. I mean, you, we have some of the top attorneys, we have bankers, we have people in the medical field. 
engineering really is about a way of life and a way of thinking. And ironically, I'll tell you what has happened even at our bank. Uh, we have have four individuals who are engineers on the board of our bank. Hmm. And the great one of the greatest compliments I've received from one of my one of my peers who's been in banking. In fact, he's a third generation banker. I mean, his grandfather was a banker. He his father was a banker. Now he's a banker and been a long time banker. And one of the things he said to me, he said, it is interesting the way you think about things. And I got to think about considering even adding some engineers to our banking board. So I would tell any kid or anyone listening to this or a parent, if you if your kid is proficient in math and science, an engineering degree is certainly a great option because you can really have a launch pad to do a lot of things, whether that's law, medicine, banking and finance or, you know, any other option that you'd consider. You know, Austin, well, it doesn't hurt that he's got an MBA from school up the road as well. That I'm sure that helps. Excuse a lot, me. Too. Yeah, I know. He's he's like me. Well, you hey, get- thanks for joining us. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a great show. Hey, we, we, both, we both put a foot Cut. in each other water. <laughs> oh, that's true. I forget who yeah. I'm talking to. You can't here. fire me yet. Oh, Jerry. my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, the math and science thing. That's probably why I didn't become an Yeah, engineer. when he threw that equation out. Yeah, I had no idea. What you're about. <laughs> Equity, I don't even know what that means. Uh, but we forgot something on the list. Published author? Yeah, yes. I, was wanted, I yes. wanted to get to that one as well. But well, that's go a good. No, I mean, that's a good par- parlay right now. I mean, now. obviously, you got some experience, and now yes. you shared it with folks. Right. So let's, yeah. let's get into the, uh, the book here. Uh, well, I will tell you, I'm, I'm very pleased that over last, the last couple of years, we were writing a book. Um, going back to my background and, and, and just things that happen in life, I'm sure there is a middle school teacher of mine who was wondering how in the heck did that ever happen? <laughs> but long story short, we have written a book and the focus is really about understanding how do we transfer wealth in this country. We talk a lot about the wealth gap. And in my study, studying of that, what I have found is that a lot of individuals lose wealth because they don't take the time to ensure that they're passing along the things that they have. We take for granted all of the things we have and we accumulate in our lives, whether that is a, you know, a small motorcycle or the small $30,000 house or I inherited some land from my grandparents. And sometimes that's lost in families because we haven't properly documented it. So I made the time to really document some very unique stories of individuals that are famous and some that are not famous to really tell a story of how important it is to leave your legacy by ensuring that you've taken care of the responsibility of having a will, a power of attorney and a health care directive. Uh, so it's been, it's been a great experience. And in the midst of that, you know, you have to come to terms with your own mortality. No one has proven that they're mm-hmm. going to stay here forever. We know that we, we can't find anyone who's 200 years old on this this planet. So uh, that's a reality. And, and I had to come to terms with that even in the midst of my writing. And I'll tell you, it caused caused me to mature a little bit. The other side of it, though, I thought beyond just the physical possessions that I will be leaving when I leave here. There are also some philosophical possessions and the things that you think about and the way you think and and things that are principally core to you, such as giving is a part of living for me. So I wrote about those in the latter part of the book and closing it out. And I tell a great story about a lady named Ocella McCarthy just to demonstrate how real all of us as individuals can have an impact. Uh, Here's a lady who was identified as a washerwoman. She made money basically washing clothes. And she left over $150,000 to the University of Southern Mississippi yep, yep, yep. and uh, really had an impact that just went national. In fact, uh, the president at that time was President Clinton, recognized her for what she did and others contributed to it. And so they were able to endow her 
gift very swiftly and had one. She had a chance to see one of the scholars receive her gift and to graduate. She was in her 80s at that point in time. And one of the greatest, you know, compliments was to listen to her be interviewed by someone nationally. And they said, well, you had all of this money. Didn't you want to do something for yourself? And she looked at the report and she said, I just did. I mean, it just goes to the core of who we can be as a people. And so uh, we write about her in the book, and she was one of my great stories, to be candid with you. Famous author Rick Bragg, uh, his story on her. Uh, was mm-hmm. first. I mean, it's uh, just absolutely amazing. He's an amazing writer, but, I mean, puts you right there in her living room uh, and really – you could get the essence of her soul from absolutely. what he wrote. What he absolutely, wrote. absolutely. And all of us have that in us. And so part of my writing about that book is really understanding that we all have a legacy. Mm. And the intent is that not only the things that you acquire, but the things that you believe in are things that you will leave this leave on this earth. And so uh, we wrote about that. We also developed a technology platform. So an individual can do a, a, a will, health care directive, and power of attorney. I didn't want to just be an author who can talk about something. We created a platform where individuals can go and really? do like that. Really? Like an app? A- and yes, it's absolutely. It's actually um, a web application. It's, hmm. it's called mylegacyitems.com, and I named it that for that reason. But you can go and do your own will, health care directive, oh, and awesome. power of attorney across all 50 states because all the states have different legalities and requirements. But we wanted to bring a product to the market to make this easy because a lot of times individuals can be intimidated by going to an attorney, especially if they don't have $500 to pay an attorney to to take care of that. So we want to make make that easier, and that was just part of a life mission for us in doing that. What's the name of the book, and where can people find it? Yeah, the book can be found on Amazon. It is called Prepared Before I Let Go, Preserving Your Possessions Through Proper Planning. The web application is called MyLegacyItems.com. Awesome. Mm, awesome. That is awesome. So you mentioned earlier uh, Alumni Council. Uh, you serve as the chair. We're coming up on the, the end of your term here in the spring. It's really flown by. Uh, all disclosure, I serve as the uh, secretary to the council. So uh, just personally, it's been a blessing to be able to work with you uh, these past couple of years uh, to see what you've done and some of your initiatives. And I'll, I'll we'll talk about this in a minute of that legacy that we, we talk about. But you are the first African-American chair to ever chair this council. What does that mean to you? And what does that tell you about uh, our student base, our alumni base, and where this college is going? Well, it's a great question. I'll tell you that this is something that happened that would have never been on my dream list. I mean, you think about Auburn has over 30,000, probably 35,000 engineering graduates. And you think about over the last 50 plus years, there's only been right at 200 people ever in the group. And then you think about someone now being the chair of that group. It it certainly is something that I never thought would happen for me to be candid with you. But it just says to and it's a testament to the people in that council. It's a testament to Auburn University and the Samuel Ginn College of Engineering that anything's possible. And so I will tell you or tell anyone who's listening under the sound of our voice that Auburn has been a great opportunity for me. It has been a life changer for me. And, you know, when you think about education, it is certainly one of the equalizers. But I can tell you here at Auburn, it it has certainly been more than I ever anticipated. And so it's just been heartwarming to know that a kid like myself who grew up in Ufala from a great family who had a great foundation, got four generations buried in the ground down there, that today, you know, I'm sitting here 
as one of the, I'll call it kids, of a Dr. Harold Franklin who walked through the door in 64, now sitting in the seat as chairman of one of the most influential entities at Auburn University. It really is. I mean, you, you look, you've got um, you've got your board of trustees, you've got your foundation board, you probably have Tigers. <laughs> Bush League. <laughs> you probably have, um, you know, Tigers Unlimited, but I mean, you're really, we're looking yeah, at one of yeah. the top, you know, four alumni. This, this engineering council is right in that group. It is. It no really, question it really about is. it. Uh, amazing. So, uh, speaking of that legacy, you know, you and uh, David Cudlack year, or David Cudlack kind of started some of this years ago of really talking about the life cycle uh, of an of an alum starting as a student and that life cycle of giving. Uh, and we're not just talking about philanthropy. You know, we're talking about t- time, talent, and treasure. That has really been a theme of yours over these last two years as chair of the council. Kind of elaborate on that and why that's yeah, so important yeah, to you. Certainly. And, you know, again, you heard me mention it earlier. Giving is a part of living. It's part of my core. Uh, I I would tell you when we started working on this, it feels like almost right at a decade ago now, we wanted to ensure that Auburn was not just transactional, meaning that people had to understand the creed. They had to really understand what Auburn is all about. And so one way of trying to break that down was to demonstrate that once you kind of go through the whole recruiting process, There are things you can do beyond walking across that stage that ties back to the success of Auburn long term. And so we diagrammed it out. Um, We we laid out and identified what happens in the midst of uh, pre-engineering or pre-enrollment while you're a student, when you're an early graduate, when you're a mid-career hire, when you are in the latter part of your career even going over into what we call estate planning, which is that everyone leaves here. And so we developed that in a way that it could be cogent so people could understand it, but most importantly to demonstrate that that Auburn is a way of life. It's not a transaction. And so we, we put that together and very proud of the work and Hopefully, we'll see the benefits of that at some point in time across many generations. You're you're also heavily involved with our um, engineering academic excellence program for our underrepresented students, uh, supporting that program, being involved with that program. Uh, see you speaking with the kids. Uh, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of that with you know one of the companies underneath that Southern Umbrella, Alabama Power, really uh, has been a major player stepping up and supporting that mm-hmm. program. Uh, just talk a little bit about that program and why it means so much to you to be involved with it. Well, you're making me feel old now. So <laughs> here's the reality. That program didn't exist when I was here. Um, so, but some great you, precursors to it, that program it was. that really set the stage. A- absolutely. And I'll tell those stories real quickly. So one of my, my roommates and fraternity brother Rod Davis, who has two kids now who have come through Auburn, was actually the first president of NSBE, the National Society of Black Engineers. Um, and, you know, that that was a precursor to this program. And I will tell you, in being here on campus, and for some who may not understand this, when you're an underrepresented student, there are a lot of times you're the only person in the room in your class for several classes. And and while that may not matter, it does matter. It's just a principle of of human nature. We are attracted to things and people who are like us. And that's right. Not right, wrong or indifferent is human nature. And so the ability to kind of understand and break down some of the cultural barriers has been really a testament to what we're trying to do here at Auburn and what the AEP program is about is giving the minority students, underrepresented students, a chance to feel at home when they may not otherwise feel at home and know that they can be successful. I'm involved because I want kids to see that they can be anything they ever wanted to be with an Auburn degree, and and I want to be sure that they can feel and touch someone 
For me, it was more or less sometimes you had to read about them in a book, you had to see them in a magazine, or you had to see them on TV. And so I, I'm really about a little bit more high contact, and it's one of the reasons that we're down here. It's why we do the scholarships and other things to be sure that kids can see you so that they can be you. Well, speaking of high contact, that commencement address, huh? That was some high contact. Great one. Maybe one of the best ones I've watched. Yeah. How'd that feel? Well, I, I will tell you. Let me say thank you for that compliment, Austin. Yeah, um, amen. I, I put, I will tell you, and I'll be very blunt. I spent more time on that commencement speech than any exam at Auburn University. <laughs> I mean, I really did. So I, I knew that I was going to be the commencement speaker about a year ahead of time because it was supposed to have happened in the previous spring. Mm, wonder what. Uh, but, you know, COVID came along and oh, it, yes. it kind of looked it looked like we were going to be in the summer at some point, And then that didn't work out and it didn't work out in the fall. And so. Um, to to be positioned over that year to really think about how and what could I say to hopefully be impactful to students uh, was was very important to me. And to be candid, uh, I almost put this in my speech, but I'm going to say it here now because it's, it's, it's a funny tribute. I don't remember who my commencement speech speaker was. <laughs> hey, I don't either. Join the club. Either. <laughs> so, so the re, the reality is, I'm sure many of those kids that was not even on the top of their mind. They were just waiting to say, "When will I cross that stage?" And you know, when does freedom take place? You know, being able to walk across the stage. But I thought it was very important to talk about the importance of Auburn. My topic was flight from the nest. For me, Auburn was that second nest. My first nest was a home I grew up in. And when I came here, you know, the reality is a nest does a few things for you. It's a place for you to grow your skills and gain strength and develop your independence. And Auburn did that for me. And we talk about that. And the backside of that is a nest is also a place that you should come back to, give back to and honor through your legacy. And that was the essence of what I talked about in my speech and using Real live examples of that, even while I was here at Auburn to relate to the kids. But the, the point is, that was an honor. Um, one, again, I'll tell you, I never dreamed of ever being asked to be the commencement speaker. I'm still and, waiting and that, on mine. And, and that's, <laughs> keep waiting, well, Jerry, keep hang, waiting. Hang in there. I'm, I'm, I'm a picture of possibilities, okay? So hang I, in there. I guarantee I you I'll spend more time on that than I did on any exam. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> but, Kenneth, Kenneth, don't give him hope. Don't <laughs> give him hope. But, but I would tell you, again, fundamentally it was an honor to do that, and I'm hopeful that we were able to create some form of an impact, whether it was on one life or many. And, and that was the reason for being willing to do that. 1990 grad. You saw some good football. Saw some real good football. Let's talk. I mean, were you going to games? Were oh, you, a- absolutely. I, I would tell you, um, and, and this just is. I mean, those, four in those a row, were, right? I mean, the, with Bama. The, I mean, yeah, that, those were the good years. I was here actually in 85 when 85. we lost the Van Kiffin tick. Oh, you know, I'm a sorry. kick. I'm sorry. What did I say? Tick. It, it probably, well, they had a Kiffin. The Tiffin. So yeah, they had Tiffin. a Kiffin too. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But, uh, you know, he kicked that 51 yarder. But from there, you had, uh, we were just looking at the, yeah, that's the painting in your office, right. Austin, uh, of lawyer doing the reverse and the, the sticker that came out Auburn has a lawyer. Oh. Uh, <laughs> those were some good times. And I, I would tell you, but I have not been to, and I've been to events. I've seen Michael Jordan play live. I've, I've seen a lot to be candid with you more than I ever anticipated. But the 1989 bowl, uh, so to speak, Iron Bowl here, it was just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it was special. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm getting chills thinking about it. I can remember we were on the, the far south side of the stadium where they come in now for Tiger Walk. 
And we ran into the Good family, which anybody knows any footballer in Pierre. Alabama know the yes, Ugh. the Good family. And we were teasing their family, saying, "We're going to give you directions to the hospital because that's where you can go and find them after this game." But I, but the point is, I mean, it, it was just a phenomenal time. And um, one of the highlights I would tell you of my being here on campus was attending that Iron Bowl in 1989. Oh, that's I, awesome! I, I couldn't imagine have been a student. Yeah, that. no, that's, that's just amazing. I, I would awesome. tell you if you go back and watch the film, uh, CBS will run it from time to time. You know, back then we didn't have the plastic no, shakers; no, they were paper. Yeah, rain that paper and, and rain. It, it, oh yeah, uh-huh. it, there was a haze mm-hmm. over the whole student body and. Um, I'll tell you one other kind of trivia point, and I don't know why or how this happened, but in the tribute to Coach Die, there's about a three minute segment. I'm actually in that segment, and I believe it was from the time it was from the time of the '89 game where we were sitting there shaking uh, the shakers, and and one of my fraternity brothers was right there with a poster from the Iron Bowl, and it was just such a a That's nice awesome. touch in that tribute to Coach Pat Dye to see us as part of that in the 1989. Oh, we got to track that down. I know. I'm going to have to look it yeah, up. Yeah, send that around. Uh, Kenneth, this has been great. Uh, we could talk to you forever and ever. I know you got some other other things to to do. Yeah, I think he's got TV appearances, TV, yeah. news appearances. I, I, I mean, I'm glad you got the most important <laughs> yeah, thing out of the way. Big, got that, the big media. That done makes sense. That, yeah. That's why he's been such a success. Well, and well, just per- important. And, well, and personally, like I said, it, it has been a pleasure to get to work with you, get to know with you, get to know you, to call you a friend. Uh, and I'm so glad we were able to have you here on the the podcast. Well, we're we're that, and you know, in my role. I still have like two more roles to finish up as past chair and past past chair. That's so right. That's we'll right. We'll get a chance to work together. Amen. Maybe not as close, yeah. but uh, we got to get him to autograph the uh, last issue of the magazine. Oh yeah, on the cover. Yeah, he's he? in the magazine. Yeah, yeah cover. Yeah, yeah. That's it. that was an incredible magazine. I think the imagination you guys have shown and the way you put together that publication, you guys should continue to win awards. I mean, it was very. Um, just inspirational to see that you use the student count as a face. And then you had a couple of other older, uh, mature, uh, yeah, I won't, graduates. Tell, I won't yes. tell Shirley you yeah. said older now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, it's a reality. We, we are, we are. And so the way you guys use that, your imagination and some of the things that I've seen you guys do with the drones and, um, you know, you, you guys have been incredible, and I think you is you such an asset to Auburn University, and more specifically to the College of Engineering. Attention, Chris Roberts. Yes. I hope you were listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that has been it. great. That no, it's been it's been phenomenal. What you guys do, the work you do, it well, do is phenomenal. On that note, <laughs> uh, alumni, alumni like you make our jobs easy and even more enjoyable than we could have imagined. Well, thank so, you. Yep. War Eagle, Kenneth. War Eagle.